0: But where are you really from?
1: A podcast about the Asian American struggle.
0: Hi there, I'm Jessie Lynn,
1: And I'm Angela Lynn, And welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From?
0: Before we get started, we just wanted to let you guys know that we are discussing topics around racism this week. So if this is not comfortable for you, you've been warned.
1: But if you are comfortable, we about to get into it now. So yes. first, we want to talk about the elephant in the room. It is Coronavirus. Right now, we're all stuck in quarantine. And something that's been popping up in headlines over and over again is the fact that there's a ton of anti-Asian racism happening as a result of COVID-19. So we wanted to talk a little bit about why this racism is happening now, why it should not be happening, and if it's actually something that's like net new or if it's based on a pretty strong foundation of historical racism against Mm -hmm. our community. In terms of the latter Uh, I think our hypothesis is that it's not new. It's just a new reason and kind of forum for people who are racist against our community to feel justified in kind of doubling down on that hatred because there is a history behind keeping Asians out of the community and kept in this kind of other label. So looking back at like 100 plus years ago, Uh, When Chinese immigrants were first coming to America, at that point, there was a Chinese Exclusion Act because, you know, our people are hardworking, we're willing to take up whatever jobs there are and make our way through. And (laughs) white people weren't happy about that back then. So they were already Mm -hmm. trying to bar Mm -hmm. Chinese immigrants from coming to the US back then. That was a long time ago. You could argue that things have gotten better since then. But Then in the 1940s, Japanese people got the brunt of the hatred and they were forced into the internment camps. That's not that long ago. And then as you get further into modern day, you realize, wait, it didn't stop at all. The civil rights movement wasn't just about black people. Obviously that was a huge part of that movement, but it also had huge impacts on the equality of all people of color. So we were definitely included in that. And then 9-11 was probably like the most recent case of anti-Asian in the kind of broader sense. But basically, if you had brown skin, you were racially profiled during that time and had a lot of hate towards you. So net-net, not new.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look back at the history that you just walked us through, what I see basically is... There's a legacy of of racism. But I think coming off of our episode last week where we talk about media representation, I think it's also really important to take a look at things that are being really pushed by how the media or certain figures in the media, Mm. cough, cough, our president, (laughs) are representing this pandemic to the public. And one of the things that we really want to talk about is why it's problematic to present the virus as a Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus. You can see a lot of the reasons why from the WHO, but there are a number of problems with that. The first is that it really connects the illness to a specific group of people and creating that connection suggests there's some kind of fault of the mm-hmm. illness belonging to that region or that people and somehow that they caused it or they intended this to occur. Mm-hmm. It's also problematic from the standpoint of people living here because I think people can start to think about it. And of course, I think we all did through the lens of false security because we were like, oh, it's in Wuhan, China. Like that's so far away. Yeah. Like there's no way that's going to like get all the way here. It's just like SARS It's going to die down. And I think it, that really gave a sense of false security to people where they should have been more more careful at the time. In a sense, it also scapegoats people. So people care less about what's happening, where you're talking about, oh, it's, it's a situation or it's a disease that's happening over there. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter to us. So I think there are things stemming out of the legacy of racism in the, in the US, but there are also many, many things that are being instigated by let's say, exaggerated or misinformation around the pandemic.
1: Another challenge that's been coming up and the reason behind a lot of the attacks that have been happening lately is that aside from the sense of false security of like it, it's only happening in China, there's also this misperception that like it's in Chinese people's blood or something that like if you're Chinese, you already have coronavirus. So like if you encounter right. a Chinese person on the street and they cough, then like you're gonna get coronavirus because they're Chinese and they happen to be around mm-hmm. you. I think that actually a huge portion of the attacks have been because they're like, Ew, Chinese person, you have coronavirus. I don't want it. And they're like trying to they they actually think that like all Chinese people have coronavirus or something. So that's just like another form of stupidity, but is like a an association that people have, um, just because if you call it like the Chinese virus especially, you know.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. It's a situation where immediately connects our community of people to this particular pandemic, and it eliminates all of the kind of critical thinking that happens in between in the sense that like all of that kind of is removed and replaced by this like terrible kind of gut reaction to a person based off of what they look like. Totally.
1: Totally. Okay. So then to wrap up this kind of opening section to set up this topic, we wanted to talk a little bit about how it's making this anti-Asian movement right now is making us feel as Asian Americans.
0: I mean, for me, it's just kind of like getting a cold glass of water thrown in your face because, you know, part of the pursuit of my own personal life has been to go after all the things that will make me appear successful. And people always think that once you get to that level, you're not touchable in a sense. like You're above the lower layer of being able to be brought down by superficial things and that people will see you for your merit and your Mm -hmm. contribution. And this is one of those situations, what I mean by a cold glass of water to the face is you can see It's really not the case like there is really really deep-seated hatred for other type people and it really just comes roaring out and like that ugliness comes out and becomes very visible uh, in situations like this where it's very extreme there's a very extreme circumstance so for me it's literally like a cold glass of water to my face I, i don't know what to do i'm a little bit in shock I'm just kind of wondering what has happened because someone threw a cold glass of water in my (laughs) face. So that's how I'm feeling about seeing all this kind of new surface.
1: Yeah, definitely for sure. For me also, I can relate to that cold glass of water feeling. It also kind of like wakes you up to remind you that you're different that you Mm -hmm. just from like an appearance standpoint, right? Like that's all they can base off of right now, especially when everyone's wearing masks, right? It's just Mm -hmm. like top half of your face pretty much, but they're gonna judge you instantly based on that. So for me, it's made me frankly scared and like paranoid to go outside because Mm -hmm. even though we both live in like, you know, super metropolitan uh, multicultural cities, There's still racism in both these cities and uh, certainly Mm -hmm. a lot of the attacks that have been happening have happened in both our cities. And so I don't feel I don't want to kid myself that just because I'm in San Francisco and not like middle America, that when I walk outside, there isn't a chance that I'm going to get some negative attention. So when I do, I rarely go outside now. And when I do go for like grocery shopping or whatever, I'm super paranoid. I look all around me. I'm like expecting someone to yell at me at any moment. And it's just not a great way to live. I hate it. Three Asian-American family members, including a two-year-old and six-year-old, were stabbed. The suspect indicated that he stabbed the family because he thought the family was Chinese and infecting people with the coronavirus. It's a disturbing video that has gotten worldwide attention video posted to Instagram showing an older Asian man in San Francisco's Bayview neighborhood collecting empty cans, being confronted, assaulted, and humiliated by a man as others watch. Sunday night in Diker Heights, police say this 51-year-old resident was simply taking out her garbage when a man doused her with some kind of chemical which burned her face, neck, shoulders, and back. The Asian-American victim was rushed to the hospital while the man took off.
0: Wow, so these are pretty heavy stories, and I'm sure they're stories that you guys have heard. They've been around the news pretty heavily, but we also wanted to take some time to focus on some local stories, some stories that are kind of near and dear to our, our hearts and our local communities. So I'll kick it off to Angela to feature her, her first story.
1: This story came from the incident report that's run by the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. So um, because people are scared to report these attacks, these daily incidents that are happening to them, to the police, so this council, which is a nonprofit that y'all should donate to, but they, starting like a month ago or more, uh, created this incident report that is translated into many, many different Asian languages, making it as accessible as possible to all the various Asian communities that are facing hatred right now for people to easily and anonymously report what's happening to them um, in the streets. And just want to throw out a stat so everyone knew like the degree to which this is happening per week, that council is receiving 1100 reports every week. Which is insane because if you think about it, 1100 is way lowballing it because these are only the people that are willing to fill out this form. Report. Yeah. Like, think about how many people are just like taking these, especially the verbal assaults, and just like mm-hmm. trying to brush it off. But obviously, it's like impacting their lives, right? If 1100 is what's documented, I can only imagine how many are actually happening per week. It's just crazy. So I wanted to highlight one that is a bit untraditional and shows you that this racism is like pervading into all different channels, platforms, like ways of community. And it's just harboring this feeling of like, We're not safe anywhere. So the story that uh, I'm choosing here was written in by someone in a university. And they talked about how they were holding a Zoom conference because everyone has to, you know, do everything over video call right now. And I'm sure most of you have heard that Zoom has been under a lot of security breaches recently because so many people are now using Zoom and it's like fairly easy for people to hack into other people's conference calls so basically the student organization was using zoom to hold board elections for their organization and there were 40 or more people on the call of all different asian american descent and then all of a sudden the call was interrupted by a bunch of random anonymous hackers who started flooding the call with all this hateful speech racial slurs they were using like fake broken English to mock everyone because they could see that everyone was Asian. And one of them apparently yelled, like, all y'all have coronavirus, every single one of you. So this just goes again to that, like, first of all, just blind hatred, but like definitely points to that bullshit of like people just assuming that because you're Asian, you have coronavirus. Like, what the fuck is that?
0: I agree. And situations like this, I always find really strange in a sense because like you must be going like way, 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 way out of your way. I'm talking like you drove five hours in the wrong direction to piss somebody off to show how deeply I think racism against Asians and racism in general is ingrained in the american like society the public that someone would go so far out of their way to really put a group of people down for no reason like these people were minding their own business they were doing their own activity that had nothing to do with it wasn't even organizing or anything you know that really pisses me off because you're basically just (laughs) you're basically just going to someone's activity like flipping them off for no reason and then like leaving that's awful and i I can't imagine why anyone would want to do that
1: it also feels so invasive like can you imagine if like our facetime that we're doing right now someone randomly like hacked it and started yelling racial slurs at us like i would be so shocked and like wouldn't know how to react because that's not what i expect within the context of like having this seemingly intimate conversation
0: yeah and i also think it's to what we were saying earlier like it's not what you would expect from another person in general right like that level of hatred usually people are like you have to work to earn that level (laughs) of hatred from somebody like you really gotta work but like to for somebody to just come up into your private space as you mentioned and be so vile to you you know that's really deep deep ingrained hatred i think as with all things like this it hurts both you and the person that you're trying to attack right like Frankly, it's a personal waste of time for a hacker to do something like that because True. they're just going to reschedule their board meeting and they're going to move on. Like at a password, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're really just wasting your own time, you know, twiddling and pissing other people off for no reason.
1: It also makes me kind of sad because, like, when hatred is directed towards young people, especially like they, these are university kids, like they're not mm. even like full grown adults out in society right like i i don't know part of me is like i'd like to shield them from from Uh the hatred that's happening outside and it makes me really sad that like they're experiencing this there's like no there's no shelter right Uh now because everything's happening over the internet so it's like all all bets are off
0: i have to agree with you on that point regarding I think what you're talking about in terms of their innocence, although we know we're not that innocent in college, it's but true. I'm just saying like college for me was such a great couple of years because I found a group of people who like really treated me for me, uplifted me and celebrated the person that I am. For that not to be the experience of someone else, I think is it is really, really sad and disheartening. Something like that is just like really... You just feel icky about it and you feel gross and you don't feel nice because you didn't deserve it. It wasn't like anything that you did and there's nothing you did to deserve it and nothing you can do to prevent it. And I think that both of those things are really hard for a person to swallow.
1: So that was mine. What did you want to share?
0: Yeah, so what I wanted to share was kind of just a very local incidence of basically someone being attacked for looking Asian. And basically what happened was there was an attack of a woman on a New York City bus by a bunch of teenage girls. And it happened up in the Bronx, I think in like basically the middle of the day, she wasn't doing anything. So this is one of those things that I wanted to feature. There are multiple things that go against the idea that racism doesn't exist anymore. And the first thing is it happened in a very visible place. The woman is riding Mm -hmm. a public bus. Mm -hmm. It happened during the day. So it's not like the woman was riding the bus at like a really late hour or an hour you might consider to be unsafe. So those are like the first two things like, you know, people always blame the victim time and the place well it's not the situation Mm. for her and the third thing is that there is always the kind of everybody loses scenario with these attacks because then people immediately oh it's minorities attacking minorities look at how Mm. gross all of them are and so I think that those are all like huge problems that are like lumped up into this this one attack and what makes me feel really sad about it is that same with your situation it's unprovoked like people are kind of going mm-hmm. out of their way to make other people miserable and in doing so harming themselves because if she got the coronavirus you have it now from attacking her <laughs> like, That's true. Stayed away, you probably wouldn't have had it so <laughs> you know like it's all these things where you're kind of just like you can slowly pe- slowly see people. Devolve into just the the like d- like the gross, emotional like nasty, gut reaction, that is what racism basically is. Where yeah. you're just kind of like, oh no, like oh, this other person I don't like that. Without really analyzing what's driving those emotions, this story was just very upsetting for me.
1: The minority against minority thing really troubles me because it's interesting the way you put it of like it puts all of us down when this kind of Mm -hmm. stuff happens but the way i read it was more like we should be standing up for each other like you know every poc has gone through some shit for Mm -hmm. you know each community has had its own struggles based on the way they look and the history that they've had with america and with white people and so Especially during this kind of time, we should be banding together, not trying to, like, separate us apart even further. So that, like, really bothered me. And then yeah. the attackers were, like, 15 or something, right? They, like they, yeah, were, they were young. They were kids. And mm-hmm. so to your point of, like, hatred and racism just being these, like, gut reactions of, like, you're not even thinking about it. These kids also, I... I feel kind of bad for them, but I did also, also not, but I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. was it worth it for you to have to display that kind of act? Because you've now probably like ruined your life because if you didn't already have a criminal record before, you certainly do now. And like, what implication does that have on your future?
0: Yeah. I think that really goes to the insidiousness of racism related to kind of what you're saying with the age I, it's a, it's another it's another thing that refutes the idea that racism is just extremism right it's only those crazy people who live in their mm-hmm. uh you know and who live in the swamp and wear kkk hats and <laughs> it's like a minority of people it's not it can like you can anyone can have a racist reaction to something i can't speak to you and be and tell you that i've never had a racist reaction to something i had definitely have and mm-hmm. i think everybody does but it really matters what happens after you have that feeling like are you going to think about what you're feeling and try to diffuse that or are you just going to act with crazy and i think that's that's one of those this is one of those situation that really highlights that racism is not like a pocket thing that lives in only Areas that are not metro, major metropolitan areas. It's everywhere. It's in everyone. And there's always the potential that it can kind of pop out. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I wanted to talk about with age, and I think I feel particularly privileged about it, is I personally feel like most of these, I mean, anecdotally, I feel like most of these attacks happen against older Asian mm-hmm. Americans, people who look like they might have immig- immigrated here, because mm-hmm. I think that's what people are seeing on the news stories when they see like, virus came from china cut to shot of wuhan There's like old people like people who look just like people here because they immigrated from there right they they dress the same they kind of maybe have some of the same mannerisms versus like we we don't we look very much like we're westernized kids basically so that's the other thing is that i feel in a way privileged in a bad way because i don't look like i'm from there and as as a result of that i don't feel as i do feel like i need to be more careful as i go outside but i don't feel as pressured as i think i would if i looked like someone who just immigrated here
1: that's a really interesting point of view uh i would play devil's advocate here in that when i was in spain and you also studied abroad in spain Mm -hmm. we had very Mm -hmm. similar college lives but um One of the thoughts that I kept having in my mind was like, I literally look nothing like these Chinese immigrants that are in Spain because for those of you who don't know, in Spain, all of the people who own the kind of like corner stores, delis and like pawning things on the street are Chinese immigrants and they are like straight from China, Chinese people. So I didn't feel like I looked anything like them. Like I'm very dark. They're very light. I dress very differently. I obviously my like accent for when I speak Spanish would be very different because I'm basing it off an American accent, you know? So there are all these things in my head where I'm like, it's so obvious that I'm like, different from those people and yet we talked about this before but like you know i was getting called china like on the street every fucking day Mm. every five seconds because in their minds i didn't look any different from from those people so like i i do think there was a bit of like a narrow view when we're thinking of like i'm so different from that group because to the point of before we're talking about us as an Asian community being seen as the other and especially being carved out as other now during Mm -hmm. this like dividing time. I think it's very easy for non-Asian people to group us all as together, whether you are straight from Asia, just moved here a month ago, or you have, you were born here like sixth generation Asian American. I don't think that line is necessarily there right now. And for me, the age of like that woman being old and a lot of old people being attacked, for me, I see that more as like they are easy targets. Like hmm. these attackers have a lot of hate and they're trying to find some scapegoat and they know that old people are an easy target. Like you're not going to fight hmm. back as much as a young person who's fit and healthy. It's easier to attack a helpless old person that makes me really sad but that's my perspective of why it's happening a lot to old people not so much i, I think there is a, definitely a, a point of like similarity that you could perceive of like you know they they act more and dress more like the people in wuhan but i think it more has to do with like their fragility
0: wow i mean <laughs> honestly that just makes me feel worse about it like uh-huh. you're gonna kick an old person while they're down like yeah jesus So we know that there are many, many reports of things that are not great that are happening across the country and in our communities. But we also wanted to highlight some really good, shining, bright moments that have been happening through all of this and how members of our community are really coming together and making things happen in this crisis. So Angela, would you like to share your uplifting story of the week?
1: Yes. For my uplifting story today, I wanted to kind of tie together our last few episodes and draw on something that is coming from our homeland, Taiwan. So for those who are not aware, Taiwan is one of the major success stories of the COVID outbreak right now, because they acted super early, like as soon as the first few cases were reported from Wuhan, they're like, shut this shit down. Because you know, Taiwan's very close to China. So they were able to take super swift action, make sure that they they cut off travel, they implemented the must wear masks, or you're, going to be fined heavily rules. And overall, just did like really, really well to the point that now months after the first case was reported in Wuhan, like they are reporting some of the lowest numbers to date. And that's, it's just such a shining light. And so Uh, it's already really awesome that like, you know, our motherland is one of the shining examples of having really strong policy during this time. But not only that, they're not just like gloating about their success, they're doing something about trying to help the rest of the international community. So my uplifting story is about how Taiwan in the last week or two announced that they are donating 10 million masks globally
0: wow
1: so they are donating seven million to europe because you know spain italy etc are Mm -hmm. getting hit real Mm -hmm. hard So they're disproportionately donating a lot to Europe and 2 million to the U.S. This is just so uplifting because it's like it's such a good show of leadership too from the president because she has come out in a lot of speeches to be like, you know, this is not the time to just focus on our little community. This is the time Mm -hmm. to band together as the international community like we are one You know, human race, so we need to help each other out, and donating this much of your money, your resources to help out countries that are not your own is just like such an uplifting story for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people. So, I'm very proud of our motherland.
0: Oh, wow, this is such a cute story! (laughs) Fun fact. The man who invented the N95 respirators, Peter Tsai, is Taiwanese.
1: I did not know that.
0: I actually was listening to NPR and they were, he's retired now. But when all of this happened, they brought him out of retirement. They're like, can you figure out how we can (laughs) reuse these masks safely because we don't have enough of them.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Taiwanese. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right. So what's your story? Uplifting stories.
0: So my uplifting story is about a restaurant called Zen Yai here in my neighborhood in Sunnyside, Queens, maybe one or two miles away from one of the most hardest affected areas in the city, which is like Mm -hmm. the Elmhurst neighborhood of Queens. So that hospital has been hit really hard with patients and not enough equipment. So They've been looking, I mean, they've really been looking for like resources, PPE, like people to just help out. And I think what I've seen come out of the community in terms of like restaurants and people volunteering their time and services there has been phenomenal. And I just wanted to focus on this particular restaurant because a, I have eaten there before and it's really nice and b) actually the owners of this restaurant, their restaurant burned down last year. So they're technically like not even really in the community anymore, but they're still helping to support the Elmhurst hospital by joining the community kind of push to uh, have food made available for all the hospital workers during this time period. And I think that this is just, it's really, it's a small thing, but it's small acts like these, like small gestures like this that come from the local community that I really do think matter and are really important to kind of counterbalance the terrible things that we were just talking about earlier. So I really love that this effort is community driven. I really love that despite the hardships that this restaurant and or team has gone through they still feel like they belong to the community and they want to give something back during a difficult time like this
1: so selfless especially after having a disastrous fire burning down mm-hmm. your restaurant yeah. moment so recently it's like going beyond your own personal troubles and, yeah. and focusing on the bigger picture All right, so we are now in our fortune cookie closing section, and even though this episode has been quite heavy in a lot of ways, we wanted to make sure that we still end on a sweet treat, and Jesse will tell you more about what that is. Don't worry, it's tasteful. Um, But before we get into that, we did want to plug our usual call to action to have you guys email us about your opinion on this topic. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. If you have experienced any harassment during this time, or if you've seen some really uplifting stuff, coming from the community or helping the community during this time. Those are all things that we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to share on an upcoming episode. So feel free to email us at gmail.com. And again, that your is Y-O-U-R-E.
0: So speaking of uplifting things, we wanted to cap off our episode this week by giving you guys information to some local and national groups where you can donate if you're interested to contribute to the fight against racism and empowerment of our communities. So... I'm going to feature the one that I picked for New York city, which is the Chinese American planning council. And their mission is to promote the social empowerment of Chinese American, American immigrant and low income communities. And if you didn't know this, you can donate directly to them through the link in our description, or you can set them as your default donation recipient at smile.amazon.com.
1: Other groups, nonprofits, Jesse covered off East Coast, I'm going to cover off West Coast. So earlier, I mentioned the group that founded that incident report that's helping give a voice to all of the people in the community that are uh, experiencing harassment during this time. That is the Asian Pacific Policy and Planning Council. I think they're playing a huge role right now in shining a light on what's happening to our community and giving legitimacy and data to our policymakers to do something about it. And a fun fact, they are LA based. So they are representing California and yes. they are also a nonprofit. So you can either donate to them at the link that again is in our show notes or you can set your Amazon Smile uh, preference to them if you prefer to donate to a California-based one.
0: The final organization we wanted to plug tonight is a national organization, Southern Poverty Law Center. I think many of you guys might notice that from seeing various press releases that they put out, but this organization basically tracks and documents racist groups around the US and their focus is on addressing inequality, both from the racism standpoint, immigration equality, LGBT equality. So once all this is over and kind of the immediate in your face racism is gone, we hope that everyone will continue to donate to the organizations we just plugged before, as well as national organizations like this to continue to empower our disenfranchised communities
1: Yeah, I just want to plug that like, even though we focused this episode on what's happening to the Asian community right now under the context of the COVID-19 situation, racism happens all the time and not just to our community. So this is the time to band together for all people of color. So that's why we wanted to highlight an organization that's not just focused on the Asian community, but helping to stop hatred of all of all communities
0: yeah so link to spl center will also be found in the description of the podcast episode
1: yes yeah all right so as always if you liked this episode we ask that you please like follow subscribe and share i think that's something that we haven't talked about a lot but Please do if you are enjoying this, so that we can make sure that we keep coming out with new content each week. And with that said, come back next week because we'll have a new episode for you then.
0: Until so then,
1: it. yeah, Dice Dice bitches. bitches, what?